How many hours and years of our lives do we spend on work? For nearly all of us, we spend 30 plus years and one third of our days in our vocation. More time, perhaps, than we spend at rest or at play. But this isn't a problem. Why? Because work is good. Work needs to be integrated deeply into our lives and must be in line with our most important goals and values. And if it is, we have a far more complete and fulfilling life experience. Welcome to the How People Work podcast, where we explore the intersection of how humans think and act and how they apply themselves to their work. When you understand both of these things, you'll be equipped to be insightful, compassionate, and compelling leaders. Welcome back to How People Work. This is your host, Jordan Peace, here with my co-host, Jason Murray. Hey, everyone. I promise next time I'll call you the host and I'll call me the co-host so that you feel it's better. It's cool. You yeah. don't care. I don't care. Um, we set up in our last episode uh, the fact that we were going to get into our survey, our data, and I say our even though we you did. and the aforementioned Kip Hart did all of the work, um, but I own part of the company, so I get to claim it. Um, so <laughs> we're going to get into some works? of this data. We talked about how it's easy for us as you get into this industry to form an opinion, to kind of, I don't know, you can be a little stubborn. You can kind of go like, you know what, this is the way that things are, the way things should be. And we operate, and we make business decisions out of our own opinion. But you decided, hey, let's go survey over 500 HR professionals and let's find out what they're saying, what they're feeling about their own profession and how it's evolving over the course of time. And so we're going to jump right back into the survey and, and find out what people are saying out there. I mean, we'll, we'll kind of end up in a bunch of different places with this, I think, as we typically do. We sort of like do. go down a bunch of different rabbit trails. We like to meander. That's part of what I think is fun about this. So... Um, one of the things that we touched on though, and I think is a good starting place for the conversation today is um, what are the greatest challenges you face in your role? And so I think mm -hmm. I covered these uh, just really briefly in passing, but we really didn't take any time to unpack it in any great detail. And so we, one of the questions we asked the respondents that we surveyed were, you know, what are the greatest challenges you face in your role? We gave them 10 options to rank order and then we looked at you know which op, which which things appeared most frequently right. uh, in the top five, and so the top three um, that uh, ranked were one creating a positive and satisfying employee experience, um, two communicating the value of people programs, and then three tools and budget to support employee well being. And so I think we'll actually talk about all those different things, but um, hmm. I think. One thing that's probably worth pausing on is the first one, because I think for you and I, yeah. being you know, millennials, coming into this space from the outside, like we see something like creating a positive and satisfying employee experience, say, duh. Right. Like what else would there be? Right. But as we talked about in some previous episodes, that's not been traditionally the function of HR. It's been more compliance oriented, you know, protecting right. the company. It's not necessarily been as employee centric as it's, you know, been trending towards. Yeah. Um, and we're in a time where there's still significant tension between, you know, those roles. So I wouldn't say that we've arrived at this new destination of, you know, here's what the HR profession is now, but no. it's definitely going that way. Yeah. I think for the positive, you know, there's the probably best companies out there are the ones that are adopting a different mindset that's prioritizing that. 
But for me, it brings up this question that's a really central one. And so I'll pose that to you is, what do we mean when we talk about the employee experience? Because I think Mm. if we're saying, hey, the job is creating a positive and satisfying employee experience, what are we aiming for? You know, what's the, what is the ideal employee experience? What does that look like? Yeah, I I think it's similar to, um, if you had to, I don't know, maybe this is inaccurate, but with first thing that came to mind is if you had to break it down to like a single question, it'd be kind of like a net promoter score. Like, would you recommend this product, this service, this whatever to your friends and family, right? I feel like the employee, the outcome of the employee experience is like the employee net promoter score, right? It's the, it's the feeling. It is what it feels like to work at a place from the standpoint of what it was like to yep. be recruited in, what it was like to be onboarded, what it was like to get clarity or a lack thereof around your job, and then what it felt like to do that job and to be managed by the people you're managed by, and then you know even into leaving a company, either voluntarily or involuntarily, what is the message that's going to be said at the end of all of that about that experience? Right. You know? So I think it's actually very... Um, it's a very kind of holistic question of employee experience. It's not, did you have fun parties? Right. You know, like that, you should have fun parties. Yeah, like a pizza parties party. Parties should not be not not fun. Like that's really lame, right? It's better to not have a party than a not fun party. So I'm not this saying that's not important, but, you know, and it's not only how your manager treated you or it's not only the clarity with which you were given mm-hmm. your role or job description. It's the whole thing. It's the feeling. Yeah. You know, I think one thing that's really disappointing to me in this period where you know the the market is down and the economy is down and we're kind of at a a low point you know and is that you see these uh, you know i don't want to call anybody out but these what are we calling them digital analog maybe a little (laughs) bit more gen x boomer leaders the these obstinate folks that are like hey this whole employee experience thing I don't have to do it anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. I don't have to do it anymore. Yay. I have all the power again. You need me more than I need you. Right. right? And you see it kind of going in the other direction because they didn't learn when there was this period where there was social pressure to like drive the employee experience. And they didn't see what happened in this great resignation and all of this social change that's taken place over the past few years. They didn't notice that they lost bigger than other people lost when the chips were down and all yeah. of their best people left. Right. You know, and that's that's really annoying and frustrating to me. Yeah. And so when I hear from these HR leaders that creating a positive and satisfying employee experience is number one most mentioned struggle that they have, that just got harder. Right. With the economy, the yeah. way it is. And yeah. that, that's annoying. Yeah, or, you know, harder to get executive buy-in, which yeah. is one of the things that was kind of a constant right. trend in the research because you need money and authority to do this right you know like you don't need a ton of money all the time to do it but you definitely need authority yeah you know to make decisions to do things that aren't directly about the bottom line or aren't directly about productivity but that are if you have the vision for it indirectly oriented towards those things but more directly oriented towards people yeah and the benefit of people right yeah totally um, and we touched on this in the previous episode or pre- two episodes ago where 
you know, there's companies that just get it or don't. I mean, that was something yeah. else that came out of the research that we did is uh, there's just sort of a, a get it factor that's like, yes. hey, you either believe a certain way about people or you don't. And, yeah. you know, there's kind of a really clear dividing line and that influences, you know, sort of the autonomy that an HR team has even to, yeah. you know, focus on something like employee experience. And, you know, do executives believe that mm. it's just a zero sum game yeah. or do they believe that, well, making investments in people and, you know, focusing on human flourishing, as we talk about a lot, you know, something that actually uh, expands the pie, grows the pie, yeah. you know, makes it something that's more uh, exponentially. I realized that one of the things that we said in the last episode, or actually two episodes ago now, was probably discouraging to HR leaders, which was that when we were able to, as Fringe, as a company, we were able to get those that don't get it to buy our product and sort of temporarily adopt our philosophy, it flopped. Like right. our experience with them, their experience with us flopped because they didn't actually get it. They didn't actually invest in the ways that we recommended that they invest. They just sort of checked a box to roll out a product to kind of get that quick win or appease people or like, hey, look, maybe we'll get on the best places to work list now because we did this thing. Yeah. But it wasn't really genuine. They weren't really bought in. And the reason why I say that could be discouraging is because if you're working in HR and you're working for leaders that don't get it, it's probably going to be the same outcome. Right. You're probably going to hustle and try and strive and it's probably going to flop. Yeah. You know, and and, and yeah. I, I don't want to be discouraging, but the truth is you've got to choose your employer very carefully. Yes. You know, <laughs> you yeah. shouldn't always, I said this before, you shouldn't always choose the highest salary. Yeah. You know, you should choose a place where your values align with the values of the organization. Yeah. So I think what, what you're starting to get to is something that I'd like to talk about, yeah. which is, um, and this ties into like something that you said a few minutes ago that I want to push on a little bit. Cause I, I said opposite a few minutes ago. Did you catch that? I didn't catch that. Okay. Yeah. Just to check. Um, so you, you phrased, uh, the way that you talked about employee experience could maybe lead some people to feel like, well, the way in which you assess good employee experience mm -hmm. is on the basis of employee sentiment. Mm. How do they feel about your company, mm -hmm. NPS scores, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but what you also just said is when you're assessing a company, right, you're looking for things that are maybe more fundamental, like values, and values alignment. Yes. And what does this company stand for and represent? And so right. I think the question that I want to like dig into a little bit more yeah. with you is, are there things that are just sort of fundamental or maybe universally true mm. about human beings that we could say, hey, all human beings need this in order to have a positive employee experience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there are. There, yeah. definitely, <laughs> there definitely are things. Um, you know, one of the words that um, we talked about, Cassandra, before she's hosted this podcast back when it was by a different name a few times, and she really introduced me to the concept of belonging in a really deep and meaningful way. I, I interviewed her initially and I was talking to her about DEI and she said, hey, actually there's one more letter I'd like to add and it's B, it's belonging. And it was like kind of a light bulb moment for me and I really kind of attached myself to that word because that felt like something that was very, very universal. And of course you have to unpack what we mean by that. Like what does it mean? And I think what, what I mean at least, when I think about belonging is that I can bring who I actually am 
right? Kind of warts and all, if you will, to a community, to a job, to a family, to a what an employer in this case, and I'm accepted. Right. Right. There's a baseline of acceptance of just like you're in. Right. You're in the group. We're with you. Yeah. You're with us. And here are the things that are true about belonging here. Right. You're going to be paid well. You're going to be respected. I mean, if you're in French, you're going to be yeah. respected. You're going to be you're going to be given over trust even before you earn it. We're going to assume that you're trustworthy until right. you show that you're not trustworthy. Whatever the things are, right? Those are just, um, I've heard people call them entitlements, yeah. which is a very negative connotation. But there are certain things that I think are good entitlements, right? Right. right. Um, you know, in the beginning of American history, yeah. it was, right, you think... Well, you think your status, yeah. like your status... Uh, bestows upon you yeah, these things. Exactly. So, it's like the whole life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, right? right. Yeah, those sorts of things. Like it's it's it's, just, it's a status thing. And it's just like you just walk in the door, here it is. Right. But I think one of the things that we've realized over the course of time is that we as leaders in this company, and I have to go and check and see if I'm doing the same thing in my household, mm-hmm. is that I'm actually leaning too hard in the direction of, hey, because you're here and you exist and you have a pulse, you, here's everything, uh-huh. you know? And like the entitlements are too much, yeah. right? And actually I think strips away um, a certain amount of, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, like your autonomy, your like yeah. um, self-actualization. Self-worth, self-actualization. Yeah, like- I think it actually robs people mm-hmm. from the other side of the coin which is a merit-based right. situation where they actually earn things. Right. You know, hey, you got a promotion, not because you're breathing, right. but because you did a wonderful job yeah. with the task that you were given or with the team that you were given to lead or whatever, you earned this. Right. And that's important too. And so it's just funny, I think in a couple of generations, we went from the workplace being all merit-oriented yeah. to all like entitlement-oriented. Yeah. And, and of course, like, duh, that's what society does. The pendulum swings yeah. and it swings back. And, well, it's a funny thing. And it thing, doesn't stay yeah. in the middle very long. It's like a nanosecond. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, yeah. I feel like we're always kind of, you know, like throwing shade on the, the native analogs and, you know, Gen X and boomers and so forth. But I will say that, you know, if there's a criticism of the younger generation, millennials right. and Gen Z, yeah. um, you know, maybe we can blame it on our parents who are the uh, <laughs> Gen X and boomers. No, I think we should own this one just for the sake of balance. <laughs> um, yeah. But there is that sense. But where does it come from? Right. And there's actually a bunch of research. I mean, I'm not an expert in this yeah. stuff. I've like listened to some audio books, but they talk about um, what did parents do? What did Gen X and boomer parents do in the ways that they raise their kids? Right. Well, what's the term that you hear that now has a very negative connotation? you're a helicopter parent right right but what what does it mean to be a helicopter parent Mm. it means you did everything for your child they lived in a bubble where they didn't self-actualize no risk the entitlement no failure right so what did those kids learn those kids learn (laughs) that the world is made safe by other people by others yes yeah. And so, and I have no responsibility, right? Essentially, at all. So for everything's my own an entitlement, or my own happiness, right. or everything's somebody else's responsibility to yep. provide for me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, um, we were talking about this a little bit earlier today, but I would call it unconditional, unmerited acceptance, mm. which is a good thing, right? To right? to an extent, there. Right. Are, so yeah. I mean, coming back to our family example, it's like. Mm-hmm. 
I will love my kids no matter what. Right. Right. They're yeah. valuable to me yeah. beyond measure, no matter what actions they take. Yes. But yeah. there are still conditions in the relationship mm. because I won't continue to provide support perhaps right. in the same way that I do today right. when they're at a stage in their life when they ought to be responsible yeah. and able to demonstrate right. their merit right. and ways of operating in the world according to their ability. And I right. think that's the thing with merit is like, uh, we've talked about this on previous episodes, like the danger with having an ideal yeah. is it judges you. Yes. Right? So as soon as you say, hey, something is good, it means that there is a not good mm. way to evaluate the world. And mm -hmm. so if we're striving for something that's good, it also means that we're gonna fall short at times. And yeah. so as a result, like we kind of recoil in our culture today against the idea of merit because merit means there's something better than what I do currently. Mm. It also means other people- It means I'm flawed. It means I'm flawed. It also means other people may be better than me. Right, or at, at least something. in particular ways or traits right. or, yeah. And, and I think Abilities. that's the tension that we haven't done well in our culture is how mm. do we hold those two things together, Yeah, right? That right. you can be intrinsically valued. Yeah. You can have unconditional unmerited acceptance. Yeah. But it's also just as important to have this conditional mm -hmm. merited reward. Right. And I think for those of us in sport that have maybe played sports or have kids in sports, right? Like it's kind of obvious, right? Yeah. That like right. some kids are better than other kids. Yeah. Like we're not all equal yeah. when it comes to these things. My kid was roughly the fourth or fifth best baseball player on his team. Right. He was the worst basketball player this yeah. winter. And I, I know he's going to listen to this someday and be upset about that, but he was it's true. notably the worst kid. Right. You know, but he had a great time yeah. and I praised all the things he did well, but I right. also coached him on some stuff yeah. and helped him improve. But yeah, uh, you can't just live in a dream world where everything you do ought to be praised or that you are somehow automatically right. as good as somebody else because you just showed up. Right. Like we were watching, speaking of baseball, we were watching the Braves the other day. Acuna hits like a, I know, I know, I'm bringing up the Braves on the podcast. Again, hit some 465 foot home run. You know, my uh -huh. son Jackson, he's like, I could have done that. <laughs> he's seven. <laughs> you know? and You're I'm like, like, all right, let's go I had to back. pull him aside and be like, son, you could not have done that, <laughs> you know? There is a slim chance right. that if you devote everything that you are to this game, yeah. that you might approach his level yep. someday in your 20s, yep. you know? But like, you cannot right now. And, right. and he like, you know, but because you don't, you don't want your kids to think like, yeah, if you believe it, you can do it. It's like, no, if yeah. you believe it and you work really hard, and, and a lot capable. of people help you, and you're capable, right? And you hustle, and you're lucky, then you can do it. Yeah, you know. And I don't know. It just, it just. I think it sets everybody up for such disappointment in life. Yeah, you know, when you don't have any notion of like, I need to earn stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah which is funny. I think about my own childhood, and I, I recall my mom very distinctly saying, like, you know, if you put your mind to it, right. like, you can do anything that you want. Yeah. And sorry, mom. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's well, it depends actually, on what she meant by mind, you know. That's but, true. Right. Uh, mind, body, spirit, effort, years, struggle. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think, I mean, I think the sentiment behind it was like, yeah. work hard. Yes. Right. Like, and don't limit yourself. Don't yeah. limit yourself. Which is good. Which is great. Yeah. But 
it's also not true that I'm capable of doing of anything, anything right. that yeah. I would want to do, yeah. right? Like right. there's just limitations yeah. to my ability. I'm but, not going to beat Michael Phelps in a race in a pool. Right. Like, not happening. Yep. Not <laughs> no matter happening. what I do. Yep. <laughs> like probably not going to be a rocket scientist. Yeah. That ship sailed. I'm not going back to school. Like all right. of that stuff, right? Um, right? But I think what's interesting then kind of tying it back into like employee experience, mm -hmm. I think at the... At the bottom of employee experience is a human being mm -hmm. and a human being with fundamental needs. Mm. And and some of what's happened in our culture, and you've talked about this too, is um, you know the dissolution of community, right? The yeah. ties for individuals that have become fragmented. Yeah. So when we talk about belonging, I think people seek belonging more at work than they ever have than before ever, because sure. you know like community organizations and things that people might've been a part of in the past, like family units and things like that. It just yeah. looks a lot different than yeah. it did, you know, 40 and 50 years ago. And yeah. so as a result, I think there's just different felt needs yeah. that are actually core human needs yeah. that are coming into the workplace. Mm. And as a result, I think companies previously could lean on conditional merited reward right? because the other needs were being fulfilled elsewhere. Mm. But nowadays, that may not be true. Like your core relationships, the people that you spend the most time with, maybe even people that become your best friends, yeah. maybe people that you work with. Totally. I mean, you and I even, yeah. like we met at work, yep. you know, over 10 years ago. And that yeah. was like what began the relationship because yeah. of the time that we spent together in the workplace. And so yeah. now all of a sudden, I think you have these two human needs that are kind of in conflict, but need to be held in tandem that's this unconditional, unmerited acceptance. Yeah. Right. I just want to know, like, I'm accepted here. Right. And also the conditional merited reward, but it's hard to hold those two things together. So, stereotypically speaking, then, if you're working for me, a millennial CEO, 37 years old, I'll stay, say that while I still can. I'm almost <laughs> 38. Um, you're probably going to experience that unmerited, unconditional favor, if you will, far more than you're going to experience some sort of merit-based, you know, reward. Mm -hmm. And, or, you know, worse yet, you're only going to experience one. Right. And not the other. Right. You know, and I think we were talking about it earlier today, sitting in Starbucks, you know, I, I think what we arrived at is if you have number one, that unmerited favor without number two, that sort of merit-based reward, then you end up entitled. Right. Right. Which well covered. But I think if you flip it, you know, what do you end up with? I think that's that's an important thing to cover too, is what if, you know, whether it's your childhood or whether it's your work experience or whatever, yeah. what if all you get is try harder, do right. better, Performance, here's a carrot, merit. here's a carrot, right. here's a carrot, yeah, you know, or a stick or yeah. both. It's, uh, what do you get then? Anxiety, like fear, stress, like, right. Um, I mean, not not that... Like I experienced this totally because I think I had a good childhood, but we all have things and I'm, I'm unpacking things as I yeah. go through therapy and yeah. so forth myself. And um, my dad having been a Marine, yeah, you know, there's definitely that like mm. shape up, like merit, sure. prove yourself, yeah. like kind of mentality. Yeah, you're not getting medals in the military for showing up. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, you earn them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the military is yeah. the epitome of a merit-based organization. It's a complete merit As it should be, I think. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of that kind of instilled in me from, from like, 
you don't get anything unless you earn it. Right. Right. That yeah. I've kind of carried with me. Yes. But I've also seen like as I've gotten older, yeah. the stress and anxiety I can put upon myself even. Sure. You know, even if it's not like someone externally or a boss that's like put imposing that upon me. Yeah. Like I can do it to myself even right. where like that desire to prove myself like from a merit based standpoint yeah. without the unconditional acceptance. Yeah. Right. Is not healthy. Yeah. Well, thank goodness you had two parents because it sounds like you <laughs> you had one that like everything you did was wonderful, and you had another one that was like, "Hey, go earn it." And I had a, I think I had a similar experience, but I think it I think it to bring it back to the survey that we've you know mostly ignored for this episode, which is which is classic us. Um, I'm just real. We we covered one box on a matrix, and you guys can't see it, our listeners. But we covered one box on a matrix of like an 11 page document. Um, <laughs> but creating a positive and satisfying employee experience. So so there's so many layers to this. Yeah. One, you may or may not have executive buy in, and even creating a good employee experience to begin with. Right. And if you do, you've got to consider two basic human needs: one, to be accepted, and to have a sense of belonging because you exist and you're here, right? right? And you're on the team. And then two, to have a, a merit-based reward system where people feel like they're, to use your word, self-actualizing and improving and earning things and getting that, you know, there's sense of dignity from doing that. Um, but then you also have to, and we talked about this in the last episode, I think, is that employees have to create an empl a satisfying employee experience as well. You, you've got to show up and want it to be a great experience. You got to show up and own it and say, right. I'm going to make this a great place to work. I'm going to be the one, like the bastion of the culture and the values, and I'm going to exhibit those things. Yeah. And I'm going to bring other people into those things. And so employees have to take responsibility as well. And so I think that, to, if I were to give any advice from HR folks, if you don't have a leader that gets it, you should quit. Um, and number two, don't do it alone. You're not right. the, you are maybe the one that sees most clearly what the workplace needs to be and yeah. what the employee experience needs to be, but you're not the only person that has a horse in the race. Right. Every employee at the organization wants what you want, but you've got to unlock them and have them help you and become champions of this thing yep. and, and do that together. And I think, uh, sadly, most leaders, most HR leaders are going to find more support in the employee base than they're likely to find at the executive level. Yeah. But there are some great companies out there. Yeah. They're not that way. Well, and like we talk about often is I think, you know, whether it's fast or a little slow, like the market's going to force those changes, I think, because, yeah. you know, human needs are what they are. And so I think you'll end up with companies dying simply because mm -hmm. people aren't going to work there because it's a terrible experience yeah. and it sucks their soul out and, they'd rather go take less pay somewhere else right. than slowly die on the inside working for a company that, you know, is really unsatisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely seeing that you're seeing people have like second and third careers and in the, the progression of those careers is they're getting further from corporate culture as they go. They right. go from like, I'm going to work at this big fortune 500 and then I'm going to go find a small business. That's a little bit more personal and we know each yeah. other. It's a good experience. And then I'm going to go even further and just kind of go do my own consulting thing. Right. And that's like my third act, 
you know, so that yeah. I'm, I don't have to deal with any of that corporate BS right. at all. Right? It's funny to even so. think about that. Like, what is corporate culture? Like, is corporate yeah. culture just the like, you know, residual like effect of this, you know, singularly merit-based mm. like society where people like are just kind of climbing up on top of each other, mm. over each other to like go up the corporate ladder, so to speak. And I don't know. I just wonder if that's like, like, it's interesting that we describe something as corporate culture yeah. and it makes me wonder like, what, what do it, we mean by What it? is it? Yeah. Like, what is corporate culture? Yeah, I'd hate to try to summarize that in a few yeah. minutes, a few seconds before we end the episode True. here. But we're coming up on time. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode where we just dove deep into the survey <laughs> that we told you we were going to dive deep into. Um, but no, great discussion, Jason. I, I appreciate you bringing that to bear. Um, give us the word of the day for next week, and we'll I'll I'll uh, I'll close the episode here. All right, word of the day for next week is sachet. Sachet? Yeah. It like the is like like a dance. Well, I can't tell Move. you. All right, I'm gonna have to Google or chasset. Well, I'm going to have to, so I got to look up pronunciation and the meaning. (laughs) All right, great. Well, thank you for listening to How People Work. We'll see you next time.